with Ryan Reese from Southern California. This is Live with Ryan Reese. Call now, 1-888-564-6173. Or post your questions using the hashtag LiveRyanReese on his Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. What's up, family? Thanks for tuning in to another Saturday night. I have one of my good friends slash... Um, I don't know. He's, he's best friends with my dad. So yeah. you're, you're, you're like yeah. a, a friend, a father figure, family you know, member, family member, <laughs> the whole deal. So his name's yeah. Dale Goddard. He's a, he's the a pastor of uh, Calvary Chapel, assistant pastor at Calvary Chapel Diamond Bar with my dad, Raul Reese out here in Los Angeles. And I heard a story. He, uh, he spoke uh, months ago at our church and he was telling his testimony about his wife, and him, um, how God's grace worked in the relationship. And I hear about so many different marriages that are either on the rocks, that are going to the rocks, that are coming off the rocks. We know that the enemy wants to destroy uh, marriage. I mean, all the way back in, in Genesis, he showed up to Eve in the garden and, and he tried to divide uh, her and Adam. And um, Satan wants to to move heavily in marriages and people need to hear a hope story and a grace story and that God is in control. So I wanted to bring him in to tell his story. So Dale, thanks for coming in to the studio. Sure. Sure. Well, you know what? Uh, I I think there, you know, are a handful of times in everybody's life, not many, usually you can count them on one hand when God really does change the course of your life. Mm -hmm. There are epic moments if you want to call it that, but there are moments that are so sometimes hard, so sometimes so difficult, uh, but they're intended to be that way. Mm-hmm. For a number of reasons, I think we, uh, we can look back and, and may, may, maybe we can say we know this is why God did what he did. In, in my life, uh, when I got to those times when he changed my life, and I and I just briefly tell you this: if we're talking about marriage today, that's that's definitely probably the the the, the one of the greatest parts of my my testimony. But I, I've lived through other difficult times, uh, such as the death of my son in uh, January twenty first, uh, two thousand and eight, and uh, and then 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 the 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 near destruction of my marriage, and that was in. Uh, 19, uh, really began in, at the beginning of 1987. Uh, my life in Christ begins back in 1973 with uh, Ryan's dad, uh, Raul Reese Sr. A dear friend of mine, he, he's my pastor, make no mistake about it, but he's also my dear friend, my best friend. Uh, we go back to 1962. We're in the city of Baldwin Park. Uh, we both began there, we're coming from Los Angeles, both of us. He he was born in Mexico City, but then he ended up in downtown Los Angeles. I, I was born in East Los Angeles. And, and God had his way. He had his plan of bringing us together one day. And, and it happened to be on the first day of school in 1962. That was in Baldwin Park? Baldwin Park. Mm-hmm. Baldwin Park. We, we uh, met each other on walking to school one day. And, <laughs> I've and, never actually heard this part. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we uh, both lived right on Puente Avenue, which, if you know the area, it goes right in front of the high school. And back then, it was always best to... There was safety in numbers, so right. uh, we always uh, picked up guys along the way and walked in a little pack, which 
probably to this day, we still hang out in, in certain ways. We meet once a year for a reunion. But Rawl's life and my life went in a different direction than most of our friends. We, we all had in common that we went to high school, we graduated from high school, and we all went to Vietnam. We all entered into the military, either by uh, being drafted or by volunteering. Myself, I volunteer. Rog went in because it was mandated by a court right. uh, because of a, a, a criminal offense in a fight. And, um, and, and so the judge gave him the choice of going to jail or going into the military. He went into the Marine Corps. With that, with that being said, we did our time in Vietnam. We came back a little bit different. But uh, I, I remember to the day when your dad got saved. Now, this is the beginning of my testimony yeah. I want to share with you that uh, I had just recently been married, and, and, and Raw was, had been married not even a year yet. We got married, I think, the same year. And um, we had young families at that time. Uh, Raw was always a little bit crazy. He, he was always, if you read the book, Fury of Freedom, it's pretty accurate. Yeah. They dramatize it a little bit. But I, I can tell you, I, I bear witness, I was there. He, he, he was more violent in real life than he was in the book or wow. in the movie. Uh, he had a more trigger, uh, short, fused temper. Anyway, we no wait. You guys have like a did you guys have a crew called the Hessians or? Well, we were in a car club called the Hessians. Okay, but, uh, you know uh, that wasn't such a big deal as, as sometimes people look. It was a, a legitimate car club. We met in the police station, yeah. and so that was pretty well. It was after hours where we got into most of our trouble, where got the it. fights began, the the bad reputation, and and, and anything else we did wrong was when we were on our own because we had no rules. And and if we showed up, generally there was going to be a fight wherever we went on a Friday and Saturday night. That's just the way uh, we grew up, and uh, it was part of our lifestyle. Right, wrong, indifferent. It was definitely wrong, you know. Uh, some, but we, we and I hate to say it, we didn't know any better. You know, this yeah. is what we thought everybody did. To be honest with you, right. we didn't think of ourselves as being bad or, uh, you know, the toughest guys on the block. That wasn't our intention. It's just something we did. Anyway, we. We we were dear friends then, and, and, and we, we've remained friends throughout all these years. But when, I, when we got back, we started our families, and in about 1972, something happened. Uh, Rawls always been, uh, always had, always had a, a short temper. I knew there was issues going on in his home with Sharon, because Sharon and Rawls are really polar opposites. You know, Sharon came from a, a missionary family, and your dad, you know, came from a very volatile family. Yep. I knew your grandpa, and your grandpa was as quick-tempered as, as your dad. But with a, with a lot of alcohol inside him. He was an alcoholic, yeah. bonafide, uh, true and true alcohol. He, as a matter of fact, the first time I got drunk was with your grandpa. He got taught it. me how to drink, mm-hmm. and he taught me well. Yep. Anyway, so uh, uh, we, 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 we grew up that way. And then one day, I'm sitting at home, and I get this knock at the door, and— uh, I go to the door. Your dad's standing there, and he is, you know how excited he can be. I got born again, Dale. I got born again. I don't know what happened, but I got born again. And then he starts telling me about the argument he had with your mom and how he was waiting at home to to, to kill everybody, really, basically, right. and then kill himself. But he heard Chuck Smith on the radio or on the television. Yeah, that That whole story was part of my life. 
And, but, and were you, but did you grow up like religious at all or in Catholicism? I, I, I grew up in a, in a home that believed in God and took us as children to church. Okay. So, yeah, I did have a, 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 a Christian background, but I stopped around 12 years of age. But was that common during those days? Just like because yeah. you're in Christian America, right? It, it was very common, okay. more so than by far than it is now for families to go to church together. Totally. But I did have that in my benefit. It was a good thing I had that. But I had stopped going to church for many years. Yeah. And my parents stopped going also at that time. So when I heard Rawl at the front door, I went, and, and it, I'll be honest, I thought he went crazy. I, I thought he went off the deep end. Uh, you know, I thought, well, he's really into this now, but it's going to wear off. Yeah. Not for real. And I'll be darned if it didn't wear off. He kept coming back to me, and you remember, we had all mutual friends. My brother-in-law was one of the first guys that Rawl reached with the gospel. Took him to church, and my brother-in-law got saved. Then my wife got saved. And I What's going on in your head at this point when you're seeing all these people it getting went, saved? It went from absolute unbelief, <laughs> you know, thinking yeah. that he's just being Rawl, to now I'm wondering, is this a miracle, and is God real? Right. And honestly— it sets a stage for me to accept Christ. Just, just you know, you, you you wonder about how effective your testimony is. And anybody that's listening right now, I tell you what, it's much easier to 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 show somebody a sermon than it is to preach a sermon to them. I wouldn't have stepped foot into a church at that time, but I was watching the power of God work through my friend who didn't push it on me, but was very excited about it in front of me. So yeah, that's, that actually brings me up to a question. So how did he – so he wasn't pushing on you because this is no. like, you know, mm-hmm. when you're talking to your good friends, they know you. Yeah. And it's like, you know, if you come off sideways or like try to pre- over-preach to them, they're going to be like, dude, you're a kook. Like what are you doing? Like we're friends. Mm-hmm. So how did he – he just lived his life? He just lived his life and he didn't change his story. So he's like, I'm a Christian now. I'm a and, Christian and, now. And he just lived his life. I'm a Christian now and he was pretty intent – on letting everybody know that if we don't get saved and become born again, we're going to hell. And he didn't hold back. His words, he didn't have a lot of words to speak. He didn't know Christianese then. All he knew was he had been saved, you know, um, like the blind man, I I couldn't see, and now I can see, and that's all I know. And and, and that was your dad. Anyway, he took me to a church, an an assembly of God, uh, before Calvary chapel was really doing their thing in mm. in costa mesa and uh, i mean at least to us took me to the i saw a movie called the thief in the night and, and it literally scared me to death because it was all about the rapture of the church and those who were left behind after that movie was over i ran to the front i accepted jesus i remember <laughs> raw was with me he's the only one that was with me and I told him, you know, I'm going to stop smoking because I smoke like a smokestack. And I threw away a carton of cigarettes. I threw away a little bit of weed. I threw away uh, um, all the all the stuff that I had that I knew the moment I got saved, I should not be doing. No way. And I threw it away. Yeah. yeah and, and to this day, I, you know, I haven't done that yeah. again. And so, you know, the turn of events, you know, the, the Lord being in my life and becoming a new creation was very real for me. Mm-hmm. Well, that was uh, in 1972, the beginning or the uh, end of 72. By 73, I'm with your dad. We're going to each other's homes. We're holding 
Bible study. Your dad was leading it, and, and really at a, in a very primitive way. And there's another thing that I would say to anybody listening. If God is leading you to teach the Word of God, step out in faith and begin to teach. Now, didn't he just start with, like, video t- or uh, audio tapes? Audio tapes of Chuck. We would sit in a circle, and, and we play. would listen. We'd hit play, and we would listen to Chuck teach, and then we would open our Bibles trying to follow along. Yeah. When the tape is over, we'd just talk about it. And that was the first Bible study at Calvary Chapel, at least within our own houses. Well, there you go. That's how you start a home Bible study. If you're like, I don't know how to teach, push play on a CD. And you know, the funny thing, Ryan, is we didn't know anything about doctrine. We really didn't. Yeah. And uh, after we met for a while, about a year, we started gaining about 20, 30 people. And there were churches that wanted to get us to go to their church. And we really didn't have any learning. We didn't have any schooling, but we had the Bible. Yep. And, you know, the doctrine that we believed when we picked the Bible up and read through it on our own is the same doctrine that we believe to this day. God led us in truth, and by his Spirit we were led to the truth. And it was an amazing thing. Now moving on, you know, we, yeah. we got together. Uh, I was working for Alpha Beta Markets. And married, had uh, uh, three children at the time, mm-hmm. and this was in 1973. So your uh, wife came to the Lord after as well. My wife came to the Lord before I did. Oh, before. Okay. And she helped with Rawls' uh, encouragement, lead me to the Lord. Gotcha. And so we were happily married. Man, we were first in line at Costa Mesa to go to church. We started going to Costa Mesa. We started attending Bible studies with Rawl and West Covina and in Baldwin Park in each other's homes. We were on fire for the Lord, and things were happening. We started growing as a Bible study. We went from uh, meeting in each other's homes to meeting at, uh, we'd rent a night or a day at the women's club using their building. We'd use another church building. We'd use Baldwin Park Community Center. Uh, We were wherever we could find a place, and things were going wonderful. We were on fire for the Lord. Now, now, Now the bad part. I was also uh, working full-time for Alpha Beta Markets, and I was moving up the ladder uh, gradually, and I found this out. The more I work, the more I'm willing to work, any days they ask, the faster I'll be promoted. Gotcha. That's how the enemy works, you yep. know, and uh, very subtly. And, and in my mind, I'm thinking, well, my, my family needs a bigger house. My family needs a boat. My family needs another car. My, you know, and as soon as I get, the, you know, God wants me to have these. Uh, and and, and we were doing fine before, but I wanted more. And so I stopped attending like I used to. At first it started out, I was at church or, or with the Bible study three, four days a week. Then it was three days a week. Then it was two days a week. And then I was just showing up on Sunday. And, and remember, I was your dad's assistant pastor back then. And, and, and the people needed me, but I made a choice to benefit myself. It's called self-ambition. Yep. You know, rather than there, there's a good ambition that's doing all you can for Christ. And then there's a selfish ambition that's doing all you can for you. And really, that's what it was, because my wife was willing to, to live a humble life uh, without m- much in the way of material things. She was willing. I think that's very common for, for men. It is. You know, it I mean, I, we I, I think I struggle with that, too. You know, mm-hmm. like you want to get ahead and you want to provide more for your family I think that's very common yeah. with, but that's 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 how the enemy comes in. Yeah, and, and you know, there's nothing wrong with wanting the best for your family. Yeah, but there is something wrong with doing it your way. Yeah, and that that's that's where I failed. Well, because your priorities, I, you're, I, yeah. you're getting out of the Word of God. You're, I mean, that's that number one. That is, that's when you know you're going down the wrong. Yeah, track. I, I think it was Warren Wisby that said, um, uh, um, 
methods and uh, um, oh yeah, what, I'm, methods and fads change all the time, but principles uh, never change. Mm-hmm. And, and I should have applied the principles. Mm-hmm. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Mm-hmm. And then all other things will be added unto yeah. you. But I wanted to rush it. I wanted to turn it around. Well, I'll work my six, seven days a week, get to where I want to be financially, and then I'm full back, full bore with the church, doing the, the work of the Lord. And you know, a lot of people think they can manipulate God. And God isn't going to be manipulated. And worse than that, nor will he be mocked. He, he says, worship me in spirit and truth and worship only me. I started worshiping money and, and the job and things. And, and a warning to anybody that thinks you can get away with it and then yeah. come back and please God. It, it says this in, in, in the book of Malachi that you get your eyes off of God and all those blessings he gave to you, he'll turn into curses. And that's exactly what happened, Ryan. He turned those things. I bought more things than I could afford. Then I had to work longer than I wanted to work. I never got back to church. 13 years, I You have to work more now to pay the bills. Yeah, because you bought more things. You're qualified, man. You got that plastic. You got a good credit rating. Now They'll sell you this. And and that's a warning to you, you know, to not fall to surety, you know, to not not owe more than you can pay back. And, boy, I fell into that trap, and I started having to work two jobs. And it was like it says in the book of Haggai, I reached into my pockets and there was nothing, nothing there. there. I made more money than I ever made in my life. And yet, because I didn't honor God with it, it became like a, a chain around my neck. Mm-hmm. Well, with that in mind now, I had a lot of stuff and I wasn't happy. Yeah, how's your home life at this point with your wife? And my your wife kids? wasn't happy. You know, uh, Ryan, I, I thought I was doing it for her. I forgot to tell her I was doing it for her. To her, it looked like I was doing it for me. Right. And, and, and she would always warn me in the beginning because, remember, she was saved. And she saw me not going to church. She saw me not reading my Bible and not praying, not leading the family in the Word. And she told me one time, I'll never forget, she goes, we're on two separate roads, but we're going in different directions. And so I thought, she's right. So here's another mistake I made. I convinced her to get on my road. I said, oh, honey, come on, just come one time with me to one of these parties. Come to this gathering. Come to this little trip we're going to make with these people. They're great people. They're fun people. And we'd go, and I was drinking, and she looked at me like I was lost, but eventually I wore her down. And she started. I'm not getting her off the hook. She's responsible for her own actions. But I'm the head of my home. Yes. Women follow. And, And I think, honestly, the first time she went my direction was to please me, Yep. to make a happy home. And she did. She she went on my side of the road. Now, here's the problem. She began to enjoy it. She began 13 years after falling away from the Lord. She turns around in bed one night. And we're just lying there. I knew things were not good because we were drifting away. You know, when you talk a little less, the, the feelings between you are, are a little bit more distant. Yeah. Things aren't the same, and you can't put your finger on it. She rolled over in bed one night and said, Dale, I don't know what to tell you. And I said, what do you mean? What are you talking about? She goes, I don't love you anymore. This was after uh, 18, 19 years of marriage. I don't love you anymore. I thought she was going through a phase. I thought midlife crisis. She yeah. was, I think she was 36 at the time. 37, yeah, 36 at the time. And, uh, and, and so the next day I thought things would turn back to normal. From that day forward, Ryan, she became a different woman. Really? We were under the same roof. But now in her mind, her heart, 
and in her life she was single. And she acted like it. She acted like it. I I don't think uh, she had anything going on with anybody else when we first had this conversation. Right. But it wasn't long after that, being like she's single, acting like she's. I would wake up. I, I, I would wonder where she is at night, and and we would get into these huge arguments because I wasn't going to let my wife just take off, go everywhere she wanted, do whatever she wanted. She told me, I'm, I'm, I'm 36 years old. I'll do whatever I, you know, dang well please. But she used another word. So do you, do you exactly? Do you, so do you think that there's like divorce coming at this point, or like, I mean, what's going on in your head? I mean, you just like, we're, I'm going to ride this thing out. I was living in a in a dream world at that time. I was yeah. living in a fog, in a nightmare. <coughs> yeah, I bet. I mean, it's pretty shocking when your wife rolls over. Well, there's over. people that are going to be listening to this that are going to say that's the way I feel right now. Yeah. Yeah, because it's common. It's one of Satan's greatest victories. He separated the the the, the home, and and the Bible says that if if a house is separated, if it's divided, then it cannot stand. And that's exactly what happened. Right? We were living two separate lives under one roof. Well, I got to the point where we were always arguing, and I was watching the children, and the children were crying, and and I I couldn't. Tell you. It was about six months after she told me she didn't love me. And I asked her, do you want me to leave the house? And she said, absolutely. I want you to leave the house. I'm going to divorce you. Broke my heart. I never thought I'd hear those words. I still loved her. I still love my family. I'm a family man. I never uh, caroused around. I never, you know, did things that that, uh, that I, I couldn't include my, fa- my, my children with. Right. Because um, you have your son, your daughters. You don't want to I was a hardworking man. I yeah. always brought my check home. Uh, I did everything for them. And, and when I lost that, uh, Ryan, I was a broken man. I remember the night that it happened, and uh, um, it was a Saturday night, and it was an epic, one of those epic moments where it was like Saul of Tarsus getting knocked down yep. to the ground. And the Lord spoke to me and said, you've been fighting me. You've been fighting me. Surrender surrender and i just started sobbing like crazy i got into my car and i drove to west covina now remember i had not been to calvary chapel west covina in 13 years i, I used Dang, to drive, you fell out hard you, you, i only you i only lived two miles from the church and i would avoid it like a plague because you know how conviction <laughs> oh can yeah be. i drove a mile two miles out of my way to avoid going down the street that you don't want to be seen on that street. i don't want to be seen on it. i don't want your dad to see me because exactly. he'll follow me but you were in communication with my dad during this time. Yeah, he would every now and then because you know your daddy's tenacious. He yes. would he would always call me sometimes or he would show up just to pray with me. And it was annoying to me, to be honest. Yeah. But he never gave up. And so I knew. And the Lord told me. This was at midnight on Saturday. If you can imagine the, the miracle that was about to take place, uh, the Lord told me, go back to, to church. Go to West Covina. And I'm saying, but it's midnight. I didn't even question it. I just got in my car and I drove. And I got to the parking lot, and it's completely dark. And I'm wondering, Lord, why are you bringing me here? Nobody's here. And when I drove into the parking lot, a car turned on its lights and started driving towards me. It was your dad. What the heck was midnight. he doing there? Uh, you know, it was a miracle. Well, yeah, I know that. He, they, they, <laughs> he was at a party for someone that was leaving the church. Okay. And he had to go back to the church to pick something up that he had forgotten. Remember, the next day he was going to be doing services. Yep. So I think his notes he wanted to pick up. And so he's leaving the parking lot. As I'm pulling into the parking lot, I get out of my car. I just knew it was him. I, I hadn't seen him. I didn't know what kind of a car he drove. Yeah. He gets out of his car. I get out of my car, and I start weeping. 
I, my, my knees hit the ground. Yeah. And he wanted to talk. I said, Raul, before we talk, I've got to ask God to forgive me. And um, I asked Christ to forgive me of my sin and to wash me and cleanse me mm-hmm. and to use me again yep. if he would have me. And uh, we said that prayer. Today in my office, I have somebody asked when we left that property, what would I want? And I said, well, there's a 12-inch by 12-inch spot in the asphalt uh, that I would want because that's where I gave my life back to the Lord. And and somebody here in the church went out there, asked the people if they no could way. have it. He cut it out and re, re-asphalted it for him. And in my office, I have it. And, and what it says on there is a is a scripture. It's out of the book of Joel, the second chapter, the 25th verse. I'm going to uh, share that with you yeah. because if you're listening here today and you feel like you've gone too far, you've done too much bad, and nothing uh, will ever change that, Here's the word of the Lord that I received that night. So I will restore you the years that the swarming locust has eaten, the crawling locust, the consuming locust, the chewing locust, my great army, which I sent among you. And, and that said everything to me, man. That number one, it said this was, you know, this is the army. All the bad things that happened to me, all the messes I got myself into, God had his hand on. Yep. This was my army. I sent them so that you'd be here today. And it was so real to me because my life had been ruined for 13 years. I'll never get those years back. But in this text, he's, done, he's not promising the years back. He's promising what was eaten in those years. You see, mm-hmm. time passes. You'll never get it back. But God is able to restore everything that he would have given you in those years. That's so interesting. And he did, Ryan. Mm -hmm. From that moment, I gave my life to the Lord. And to not not misdirect this conversation for people that are listening, that moment, my life on the outward didn't get any better. Right. On the inward, it was an epic moment. Mm-hmm. A load was taken off of my shoulders, and I loved and feared God again. I went back to my house, and I told Barbara what happened to my wife. Uh, remember, I wasn't living there, so she wondered what I was doing. She thought I went crazy. Now it reminded me of when Raw was right. not going to. Yep. And I told her, I, you know what? I got saved. Come on. And she rejected me. Dang. I thought, once she sees I'm saved, everything's going to. it didn't change. Yep. She yeah. told me. I'm going to see an attorney. Our marriage is over. This doesn't change a thing. I'm very happy for you, she told me. You know, I've, I've heard this story, yeah. and we're going to keep continuing, but I've, I've heard several people come up to me with the same story. I gave my life back to the Lord. I went to to my wife, and they're thinking everything's going to be okay. <laughs> yeah. But God still has to, we reap what we sow, God still mm-hmm. has to work out those those details. Mm-hmm. It's not, when you give your life back to Jesus Christ, or you give him to for, for the first time, no matter what you're going through, life does not get better immediately. There is a process that God has to do in your life. Yes, number one, what happens is you ask for forgiveness. He takes that weight off. He forgives you of all your sins. Your name is written in the book life. So there's amazing things happening spiritually. But then in the natural realm, God has to start working out those details and uh, and taking you on that journey. The restoration process the restoration. had began. Yes. 
And, and the restoration process began with a broken heart. And then God restoring my soul. Yep. And my soul was restored, Ryan, I'll be honest with you. But now I was hoping my family would be restored to me. Mm-hmm. I went back. She rejected me. And some people say, well, how long does it take for God to work? And by the way, Dale, did it all work out? Well, yeah, in the end, it all worked out. But I was headed for the most difficult time of my life up to that point. And that was facing rejection from the woman that I loved and the family that I desired and how I wanted to make it for the Lord and how I wanted to make it better. And I wasn't allowed to do that. Dang, that's, that's, that's heavy. Yeah, so I, I want to share this with you. I went alone to the foot of the cross on behalf of my wife and my family. And as a broken man, I began to pray and ask God to forgive me for misleading my family, misdirecting my family, being a bad example to my family. And Lord, please give me another opportunity. I had gone to sleep one night, and and we were separated for about three months now. And I was not, you know, I, I was existing and 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 I was going to church. I was going to Bible college at the time, and I was really beginning to give up on my marriage. And I had even gone to your dad, and I said, you know what? Uh, she's cheated. She's with the other guy all the time now, and and she loves him. She doesn't love me. Dale, we are going to go to break okay. in 15 seconds. Mm-hmm. Hold that thought. You guys, if you tune in, I have Dale Goddard in studio. And this story has been intense, and I know this can relate to a lot of people. We're going to be back in a few minutes right after the break. So please join us, and we will continue this story. More live with Ryan Race coming up. Is everything all right? Sure. Call now. 1-888-564-6173 or post your questions using the hashtag live Ryan Reese on his Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. Uh, I think I speak for the entire administration when I say whoop-de-doo. Now, back to live with Ryan Reese. Don't say we didn't warn you. If you were with us right before the break, we have Dale Goddard in studio. Uh, he's the assistant pastor at Calvary Chapel Diamond Bar. He works with my father, Raul Reese, and they've been friends forever. But the story that we've been talking about tonight is how he, uh, my, my dad actually led him to the Lord. And from there, basically started walking with God and um, just got caught up in the cares of the world. Just like Jesus says, if you want to be my disciple, you got to turn from your selfish ways, pick up your cross and follow me. And he says, if you try to hang on to your life, you're going to lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what does a man profit if he gains the whole world and he loses his own soul? Dell was in a situation where he was working at a store and he was climbing the ladder with his success as he worked more hours. But what happened is that pulled him out of church. And he was making money. He had the cars, the boats, you know, the success. And basically what happened at that point is he ended up losing his wife. They just went in different directions. And now here he is. He gives his life back to the Lord. And Barbara, your wife, doesn't want you back, even though, Dale, you're like, I gave my life back to Jesus. I want to do what's right. She's like, we're filing for a divorce. It's over. Yeah, she was she was absolutely sure what she wanted. And that was not me. And it was a happier life with somebody else, who, by the way, was married. She, he was leaving his wife for her, and it was a real mess. And, and there I am in a, in a little trailer that my uncle allowed me to live in because it's free. I'm there, 
and uh, it's hard at that time financially. And everywhere way else, I'm, I'm trying to be uh, um, a, a good husband, or a good father anyway at that time, and yeah. support my children, giving them the house and paying for everything. Um, but it was really hard. I'm lying in bed, and I'm wondering, Lord, it would be easier if I was just single now, and, and then I wouldn't have to do what I'm doing and let the courts handle it. Uh, she, there's no way she's coming back to me. I went to your dad anyway, and I said, uh, Raw, I said, you know what? I have biblical grounds for a divorce. And he goes, oh, yeah, you probably do. She's with another guy. And I want to get back. She doesn't want Okay, yeah, yeah. And he goes, I just have one question to ask you. I said, I'm going to go get divorced. He said, did God tell you to? Yeah. Did God tell you to? And I looked at him with disgust. I knew I couldn't lie to him. <laughs> you know? And no, God didn't tell me to. Yeah. He said, what did God tell you to do? That God told me to wait. So I went home that night, and I'm mad, and I'm upset, and, and I try to go to sleep. My typical night was fighting to get to sleep, and then when I'd get to sleep, I'd wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning, and that was about the extent of it. Nothing was changing, and so I'm crying out to the Lord. And in my sleep, I, I, I really do. I, I don't know if it was a vision. I don't know if it was a dream or whatever. But as clear as I'm speaking to you, I heard an angel tell me to read Psalm 6. I, I don't know if I had ever read Psalm 6. There was a Bible next to my bed, and I picked it up, and I began to read. I'm going to read it to you. Yeah, do it. Because it answered my prayer. O Lord, do not rebuke me in your anger, nor chasten me in your hot displeasure. Have mercy on me, O Lord, for I am weak. O Lord, heal me, for my bones are troubled. My soul also is greatly troubled. But you, O Lord, how long? That was my question. How long will I have to? Lord, I'm living for you. Verse 4 says, Return, O Lord, deliver me. O save me for your mercy's sake. For in death there is no remembrance of you. In the grave, who will give you thanks? Verse 6 said it all. I am weary with my groaning. All night I make my bed swim. I drench my couch with my tears. My eye wastes away because of grief. It grows old because of all my enemies. Verse 8 changed my life. It says this, Depart from me, all you workers of iniquity, for the Lord has heard the voice of my weeping. The Lord has heard my supplication. The Lord will receive my prayer. That you know, nailed it right there. You know, what that told me, Ryan, was God was there with me. Yep. He was in the middle of the storm with me. And the angel told me everything is going to be all right. That's all. He didn't say my my marriage was going to be restored. That I'm going to I'm I'm going to you know not have any more issues or troubles. Everything was going to start. No, nothing changed after that when I got out of the when I got out of bed the next day. Nothing really changed except this inside of me changed a lot. Right. I, I had a peace about me that was unbelievable. I started smiling again. Why? Because the Lord told me everything was going to be okay. He confirmed it in his word that he had heard my prayer. He had heard my tears. He had heard my cries. And I believed it. I trusted the word of God, maybe more so than ever before in my life. And it was the most natural thing in the world for me to do. My wife saw me that day because we needed to transact. I needed to give her some money. She looked at me. She goes, what are you so happy about? And I told her, I don't know. But I shared with her that God had spoken to me and said everything's going to be okay in my life. So with you or without you. Dang. You know, and in and, and my life at that very moment, like I had talked about earlier, that was one of the epic moments in my life. God became real. 
and I trusted him. And, and you know, it seemed like a long time, but it was just another few short months, and I get this phone call, and it was my wife, Barbara, and she says, can you come pray with me? First, she said, can you come to the house? And she had never invited me to the house when we were separated. I thought it was to sign papers. And I asked her, is it to sign divorce papers? She goes, no, I need you to come and pray with me. And I didn't know what to expect. I went home, and I asked her what was up, and she said, have you been praying for me? Have you, have, have, have you had people in church praying for me? And she had this story that she told me about going to, to, to work in the middle of the night. Nobody was on the freeway, and, and she had this vision while she was driving. No way. And I'm not going to share the vision because yeah. it's very personal. Yeah. But she said, if this vision is true, when I get home, I'm going to call this person. It was her ex-boyfriend. And, and, and if it's true, then I know God has spoken to me. And she called him up, and it was true. And so she calls me that night and says, come pray with me. Wow. Now, remember, she still didn't love me. This yep. is, again, for anybody that's listening and thinks, think things change quickly, God has his way, and his way is unexplainable. You may not understand it, yep. but it was God's way to get us together again. And she told me, when I finished praying with her, she said, I want to give our marriage another chance. She goes, I'm going to give it six weeks. And I, and I said, and in my mind, I'm saying, don't put God on a time clock. Yep. But I said, I'll take it. God, God is in all the details. He is in every single detail. He has detail. your he, number. He has her number. And if he's going to work it out, he's going to contact both parties. Yeah. Both parties will be notified. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. That's a good way to put it. And so we agreed, and, and, and she came, and, and she allowed me back in the house. I, I, I did tell her that I'm a different man and that there may be some things that I do now that she may be uncomfortable with. I pray openly. I'm going to want all my kids to pray together. And, and, and our house is going to be established upon God's word. Mm-hmm. It's the authority that, that I live by, and it's going to be the authority that our marriage lives by. And I asked her, do you agree with it? And she said, we'll give it a try. I want to bring up this verse because I think mm-hmm. it was mentioned earlier in the show. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. When you gave your life to God, you, she didn't want you back, but you decided that you were going to seek ye first the kingdom Absolutely. of God. So for the listeners— what does that look like? I mean, I have a lot of people that listen mm-hmm. to the show that don't even know what that verse means. Yeah. What, what life application? I was building on my relationship with God first, not my relationship with my wife. So what did what does that look like? What it, did you do? It it looks physically it'll look like this. Yes. It was an essential that I pray yep. first. It was essential that I let God know my needs, mm-hmm. not man. Not my wife. It was essential to me now that I I was in the Word of God, and I did it every single day. I read the Bible a couple of times in a very short period of time because that's all I did was read the Bible. I I dedicated myself to not read anything else but the Bible. I only read the Bible. I only listened to tapes that Chuck had done because your dad gave me 365 tapes. (laughs) And uh, I listened to, I think it was the 2000 series, through the Bible. I couldn't get enough of the Word of God. But in my pursuit of learning more about God, my relationship with Him grew. It grew by leaps and bounds. And I, ne- I was going to find out I needed it because when she came back, everything wasn't hunky-dory. Yep. There was a lot of a lot of water under the bridge. And, and for couples that have tried to make it and failed, generally it was because 
of the sins of the past. Yep. She had been with another man. Uh, I didn't forget it. My, that would be a hard one. Oh, I, I struggled not bringing it up all the time. And, and there were times when I'd see a movie and there'd be an indiscretion in the movie, an unfaithful part in the movie. I would bring, I'd say, there it is. That, look, look at it, it. That's what you did to me. Or you a know, fight. Or, yeah, or a fight. Bring, a fight, you know? bring it up. And, and, you know, I wanted to make her hurt sometimes uh, yeah. because I hurt so bad. Yeah. And, and I felt she didn't hurt at all. Mm-hmm. And so... You know, the enemy wants to do all of that. And we had to work our way through it, Ryan. I remember telling her one time, uh, I had I had reminded her, reminded her of her sins. I reminded her of how she hurt me. She turned to me and she said, you want me to love you, don't you? And I said, that's what it's all about. When are you going to open your arms to me? When are you going to embrace me like you really mean it? When are you going to welcome me to the bed? When are you going to do these things? Because I've done it all for you. And she said, that's the problem. She goes, I thought you did it for God. And she said, you want me to fall in love with God, don't you? And I said, yeah. She goes, then why are you insisting that I fall in love with you first? Boy, it broke me. Yeah. I cried, man. I said, I'm sorry. You're right. I promise you I will not bring it up again. And that's when our marriage started to heal. When I stopped bringing up the past. Yeah. I stopped reminding her of her sins. It was like a scab, and I kept pulling it off, and it couldn't heal. I put my eyes on the Lord, and and the, the temptations didn't go away. Because there's no forget. I mean, if you keep bringing up the past, just for people that are listening, yeah. if they keep bringing up the past, how can there be any healing going on? You know, the Bible says that when Jesus forgave us of our sin, that he yep. cast it as far as the east is to the west. Yep. Into the deepest part of the sea. We, we fail to do that sometimes, and it's not true forgiveness. Yeah. True forgiveness takes place when the other person, the person you're forgiving, believes it. And they'll only believe it when you stop bringing it up. Yeah. And so I learned that the hard way because we almost blew it again. We almost, you know, she asked me, do you want me out of here? If you want me out of here, I'm gone. I don't love you. She told me, I do not love you. Well, I, I thought, how long is this going to take? You know, now now everything was going better. Uh, this was after about five months. Okay, five months. Five months together. Still, we were together. We're trying, we're trying, we're trying. She said she gave the Lord six months now to make it all work. And I'm, I'm thinking this isn't working. And, and, and uh, Raul invited me to go to uh, Scotland on a, on a missions trip. And I went. I said, can I bring my wife? He says, yeah. And so I, I took Barbara on. The, and that's where Barbara's life was changed. God began to use her. And when we got to Scotland, it was it was just such a beautiful miracle. Now, now the happy part of my story, he bound us together there in Scotland, and she forgave me for my sin, and I had plenty. I forgave her. It was six months almost to the day, and, and we got back together. And we've been married 50 years now. This this month, or in October, we, we will have been married 50 years. Wow, that's amazing. And, and, and I'm happier today than I've ever been in my life with my wife. And I think she can say the same thing. And God has truly restored what the canker worm, the canker locust, has eaten away. And But I thought back, Ryan, I thought, Lord, why do we have to go through so much heartache, heartbreak, trial, error, messing up, doing it again and again and again. Like you said, God was slowly building us. He was preparing us for something even more difficult. And on January 21st, 2008, our beloved son of 36 years of age 
was killed in an automobile accident. He was a highway patrolman. He was a perfect son. He was, and I, I you know, getting a, a knock at the door at six o'clock in the morning and having the highway patrol show up at your door isn't a good thing. Mm-hmm. And it was uh, his chief, along with a couple of, of, of his friends that I knew they were in uniform. They were crying at my doorstep. I called Barbara down. I didn't even have to ask. I told them my son is dead, and they said yes. Damn. And so we all ended up in our in our living room. My wife and I embraced each other, and I'll tell you what, I knew more ever, I more than ever before, I knew that for such a time as this, God had prepared us. If we had not gone through what we went through, I doubt we would have made, made it, Ryan. Through that. Because it, it took that much to keep us from just being washed away in despair. <coughs> you, you heard a lot of marriages that struggle after the death of a child. Yep. Yeah, I've heard a lot about that. And I can understand that. But because we had Jesus Christ as our common bond, we we not only made it through, but I, I believe that to this very day, his life had greater meaning um, because I had one woman tell me and my wife when we were go- going through the funeral process, she goes, she goes I, I don't know if you'll understand this right now, but God must have loved the two of you very much. And I said, what do you mean my son just died? She said, yes, but for the sake of others who will go through this kind of heartbreak, they're watching you. Yeah, your story. And she said, you're doing well. Didn't feel like it. No. But but we were hanging on tightly to the Lord. Together we were hanging on tightly to the Lord. And God, I think, even strengthened our marriage even more so through that. Well, Ryan, you know, I've been back in, in ministry for for 30-plus years now. I've seen a lot go on in ministry. God still has me at your father's side. I'm still holding up his arms. And if you asked your dad if he were here today, he'd say, we'll probably die in the pulpit together on the same day. <laughs> you know, because <laughs> uh, wherever he goes, I go. Yep. And you get raw, you get me. And, and most people in ministry that have known us know that. Yep. I've got his back, and I'll always have his back. Uh, I owe a lot to him because God used him in my life, not because he's a, a celebrity or he, he would hate that. Yeah, uh, but because <coughs> he was. He a, may when people I may think him. he's a celebrity. He might add, <laughs> he's so down to earth. It's yeah. ridiculous. Oh yeah. <laughs> I always tell people that meet raw because they sometimes expect something else. Yeah, it's because he had a movie out, but that's yeah, not they what expect you get. a perfect guy. <laughs> I say, you know what? He 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 will. Um, Break you of that thought right away, immediately, because he's a, he 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 jokes around a lot, but when it comes to spiritual things, he's very serious. Yes, and at a drop of a hat, he'll stop his car to pray with us. A guy on the side of the road. I've been with him when when we're uh, out there at restaurants or we're on mission trips, doing something that everything stops and we're 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 doing street witnessing, and and this is you know Raw Reese out there. Yeah. And when people find out who he is, they usually are pretty surprised that he would stop to buy him a cup of coffee or that yeah. he would stop to because they were crying. They didn't know him. I've seen him do this several times. He didn't know him. God always seems to put him there at the right time. I've learned a lot from uh, your dad. I owe him a lot. Uh, I'll be loyal to him till the day I die. And uh, as as um, and, and for anybody that's listening, and, and I want to reassure you of this, I'm no different than anybody else. God didn't single me out as the only person he was ever going to do this for. In all my heart, and, and if your marriage is struggling out there today, and, and, and I want to probably leave you with this thought, 
Get your eyes off of each other. Stop trying to put the blame on each other. Stop looking for an answer outside of the Word of God. Allow the Word of God to be the authority between the two of you, the centerpiece of your home. It's His Word. It's God's Word that matters, not yours. And then embrace the Word of God. I always tell people, open the door to the Word of God with a, with a, a willing heart, a willing spirit. Let God minister to you with His words. And then remember, 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 remember where you were when you met God. Remember all that God has done for you. Remember his promises are true, and he cannot lie. Remember what he's done for others, like this testimony you've heard today. Yep. Because God has that in store for you if you seek him. It's never, it's never too late. You're not too far. You haven't done too much. God loves you. You know, one of my favorite verses is where it says that God's thoughts for you are more than the sands of the earth mm-hmm. and their thoughts of love. He loves. He wants to restore. He wants to fill you with his Holy Spirit. He wants to show you your destiny. He wants to show you your purpose. He wants to restore all the things that maybe you have destroyed. And remember, it doesn't happen overnight. It's, it's a process that God does in your life as he starts shaping you, molding you, developing you, removing things out of your life that are dragging you down. And then, and then he's placing the things from his heart into your heart and your mind. And uh, it's, it's, it's a process. So if you're listening now and maybe you're not a Christian, give your life to Jesus Christ. It's very simple. You just, whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Just say, save me. Yes. Fill me, and then find a Bible. Find find a Bible study to go to. I mean, you can go to Calvary Chapel. Uh, what is it? It's like every, look up CalvaryChapel.com or something, or any lo- other local churches in the area that um, teach the Word of God. And like Dale said, get your Bible, read the Word of God. He says he seek ye first the kingdom of God. He talked to God, which is praying. He let God know what was going on in his head and his heart, and 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 the things he needed help in. Then he uh, got plugged into church, and uh, I like how you said all you did is listen to the Word, prayed, and read the Bible. And, and, and the last thing was get involved and get, with, oh, yes. with, with the Word. Mm-hmm. You know, it's one thing to read the Word. Be not ye just a hearer of the Word, but be what? A doer of the Word. That, that requires your involvement. You can't just read the Bible where it says that you are required to forgive you have to actually forgive. You have to actually be the one. Even though the other person may be at fault, you have to follow God's word and be a doer of his word. You know, Jesus said to the Pharisees, don't even, these, these, they forgive. They forgive their friends, but they won't forgive their enemies but you forgive your enemies. You know, we have to forgive those who have sinned against us. And, and, and you begin to apply these principles. And you know what? They work. They really do work. Your wife may say to you, or you may say to your wife, 
well, it'll never be the same, so why try? And I, and I would agree with you. But do you really want your marriage to be the way it was? It may never be the same, but it can be better than it ever was. My marriage wasn't the same. It was a 100 times better than it ever was. And so with that encouragement in mind, reach out. You know, it doesn't cost you anything to try this. You don't need to go to a counselor even. I'm not saying counselors are bad if you must. But if you're not going to listen to the Holy Spirit, what makes you think you'll listen to another person? It's Let the Holy happen. Spirit. It's not going to happen. <laughs> Let the Holy happen. Spirit minister to you and be true. Be true to yourself. Follow the convictions of your heart. Watch what happens. Watch what happens and don't be in a rush. Like, like Ryan reminded us, things don't happen overnight. Generally, things that are good take time. And maybe God is continuing to teach you many, many more lessons that you need to learn so that your marriage would be sustained down the road when things do get tough. You're not going to learn everything at once. You know, we are an open book, but we're a book with a beginning and an end. And we need God's guidance, direction, and counsel every day of our life for greater purposes. For all things work together for good to those who are in Christ according to his purposes. People, the, the, the way we live our life, the way we live our life, how we honor God in what we say, what we do, will be the answers. Those are the things that are going to change the future of you and your family. If, um, if you want victory, it comes down to obedience. Yeah. Obedience yeah. to God. Being doers of the Word of God, not just hearers. You read it, you do it, you live it out in obedience and head to the cross, like Dale was saying, by yourself. It's only you and God, and then he shows up and he starts doing an amazing work. Is there any last words you would like to say, Dale? I know that was kind of... Well, you know what? If, if you're out there today, left. just continue to pray for me and my wife, Barbara. We have uh, now there's 16 of us in, in my family. Uh, I, I, a tribe? I, oh, it's a tribe. We... Uh, <laughs> We together we saw we we did a little premature celebration of our fiftieth wedding anniversary, and we got us all together. We all prayed together, and we went on a little trip together that uh, that we used to draw closer to each other. Guys, uh, invest in your life. Invest in your life through Christ. Uh, make Him first. Uh, do what you do according to His word. To His word. If you're not sure what you're supposed to do, find it in His word. Uh, don't be in a rush. Uh, let God be your guide, and let him direct your every step. And uh, I, I can't say more than that. That's all you need. Well, Dale, thanks for uh, being on the show. And uh, you guys, if you want to get past shows, you can go to ryan-reese.com. We have all the archives for over two years of shows, talking about all different subjects. Um, we're here on, on Sunday nights at Calvary Chapel Diamond Bar, as well as, you know, the Whosoever's Movement. Uh, we're getting close to that school year. We went to 59 school years, uh, 59 schools last year. We are trying to hit 150 schools this year. We are praying that God is going to open the door for 150 schools. We are seeing 
thousands and thousands of kids getting saved in the middle schools and high schools in the public system. So pray for us that God will open doors and God will provide and God will show up and save as many students as possible in Jesus name. So we can get them plugged in to the Bible clubs and they can find out their purpose and their destiny. We will see you guys or we'll be talking to you guys next weekend. We love you. Peace. This has been Live with Ryan Reese. To connect or find out more about Ryan, click on ryan-reese.com. Check us out next Saturday at 9 p.m. for Live with Ryan Reese. Finding uplifting news in today's headlines is often like searching for a needle in a haystack. At the Story Behind podcast, we believe in the power of finding heartwarming tales and are happy to share empowering stories with you every week. Hear about how Steve Harvey surprised a dying man on Family Feud with $25,000. Get inspired by the note a waitress received from a patron dining alone. And even hear about how one VIP passenger made a hardworking pilot get emotional before his flight. To start listening to the Story Behind podcast, visit lifeaudio.com or search Story Behind on your favorite podcast platform.